Welcome to the M&A Cornercast, a podcast focused on the world of mergers and acquisitions. Helping inform the business owners and advisors we work with every day. Hello and welcome to another uh, episode of Cornerstone's Cornercast. This is Scott Bushke. I'm the managing partner and founder here at Cornerstone. And today I've got Kyle Madden from KLH Capital on the call. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Scott. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for taking some time. Well, I've known Kyle for quite a, a long time, and he's sitting down in sunny Florida right now. We're in here in Green Bay. I think the high is one today. We should be doing this in person if it wasn't for COVID, but wanted to take some time today for our listeners and just talk about private equity. A lot of people don't know about private equity and you know what you guys do, what you're seeing in the marketplace. Uh, people hear of a majority recap, and how is that different than 100% sale of a business? In what scenarios might a a recap work or not work so people can understand what might make sense for them. So, but first, just give me a little, our listeners and ourselves, a little bit of an overview on who is KLH and you know how long you guys been around and what types of deals are you looking at so when they can understand when you talk about certain things, are these deals that are a million dollars in value, 10 million in value, 100 million in value? You know, what are you talking about? Yeah, sure, Scott. Obviously, feel free to, to, to drive if you want to take it in whatever direction, but happy to be here. Pleasure to meet everybody. So to Scott's point, I mean, I'm down in Tampa, Florida. Firm name is KLH Capital. We are fully funded, fully committed private equity firm. We've been doing deals and partnering up with family held and privately owned businesses since 2004. These days, we manage a pool of money of about $200 million to really, again, partner up with family-owned, privately-held businesses when they are in a need for liquidity for a number of different reasons. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But KLH offers and facilitates both majority and minority investments, meaning we'll look to buy anywhere from 20% of a company to call it 80 or 85% of the business and anywhere in between. We really do two things, or at least industries of interest, two verticals, outsourced and industrial services and value-add distribution. That's it. You know, we don't do restaurants. We don't do retail. We don't do uh, a lot of manufacturing. Primary reason is just simply that's where we cut our teeth and that's where we think we can add the most value. And in terms of what we actually do, uh, Scott, you hit on it a minute ago, and we'll talk about what is a recap and when does it make sense. But that's exactly one product that we offer. We do a lot of management buyouts. We do a lot of generational transfers. Let's say where you know older generation owns the business. Maybe they operate it. Maybe they've already retired, but a younger generation uh, wants to have a go at becoming an owner and running and operating their family business. You, know, you can call on a private equity firm to help you as the older generation facilitate that liquidity event. And then we do a lot of what, Scott, you said, recaps, both control and non-control, where one shareholder may want to exchange a piece of the business for fair market value, or you'll have multiple shareholders, perhaps with differing goals and objectives. So you have maybe a couple folks who want to sell or want liquidity, but a couple folks who want to stick around and grow the company. So when you're at that pivotal moment of you know not quite sure what your options are, do you sell or do you stay? a recap can be a good option to customize that deal for all parties. We've done 50 or so transactions since. 
Wow, that's great. Yeah, we'll get into a little bit more of what a majority recap is here in a second. But obviously with the election and COVID and just everything that's gone on in the last 12 months or so, been some uniqueness to the marketplace. You know, you guys look at hundreds, if not probably over a thousand deals a year that come across your desk since you've been around for a long time and have a good reputation out there. What are you seeing in the marketplace? Maybe if you go back from middle of March to today, as we sit here in February of 2021, Maybe just give me your play-by-play, quarter-by-quarter of what the marketplace looked like and did volume go up? Did it go down? What happened to values in maybe some different industries? And were there any winners or losers in the marketplace and what you've seen? And just maybe go from there. Yeah. You know, rewind to this time last year, right? I mean, the, the investment banking, business brokerage, private equity business had quite a bit of momentum through 2019 and certainly coming into 2020. I'll never forget it, right? I mean, that day in March, when the whole industry came to a screeching halt, frankly, the whole world came to a screeching halt, deal flow immediately dried up. And for good reason, right? I mean, as everybody tried to evaluate which way is up and you know how do I best serve my customers first? So things dried up and slowed down very quickly from a new deal perspective in March, which internally here and really industry-wide you know, you have to remember we are entrepreneurs and stewards of, of other folks' money and partners with entrepreneurs as well. So we immediately put on our defense hat or a defensive hat, drew down on lines of credit to add plenty of liquidity. It was game time. I mean, it was time to play defense. And we spent a lot of that kind of late Q1, early Q2 trying to figure out, you know, which companies would feel COVID and the severity of how significantly they would feel COVID. Of course, fielding calls from different lenders, teaching our CEO partners how to play defense, right? Because a lot of these businesses that private equity invests in have been playing offense for the last, you know, 10 or 15 years, right? So it's a quick change to learn or relearn how to play defense. So again, new deals came to a screeching halt in March. We really didn't see anyone come to market until maybe June or July. I think the landscape did change. I think it has changed since from the perspective of there are companies who when you think of almost green light, red light, yellow light, right? I mean, there's companies that did well during COVID and benefited from COVID because of whatever product or service they offer. Likewise, there's companies that did business as usual through COVID, right? Which we also chalk up as a big win. And then there's companies that did feel COVID negatively. I think from a dollars invested or a new deal perspective, those companies that were feeling COVID, rightfully so, decided not to go to market. And the guys who continued to do very well could come to market. And what you saw is an absolutely wild level of interest from the buyers out there, um, with the term being flight to quality, right? I mean, I think a lot of firms out there said, okay, unstable economic certainty or unstable economic climate, we're only going to buy the best of the best of the best, and we're going to pay up for it because that limits risk. Deal structures changed as lenders tightened their belts. So we saw more equity being deployed into these investments during that period. So would you say, Kyle, was that more than maybe more of a 50-50 equity to debt versus maybe 60% debt, 40% equity? Or what would you say that looks like? 
Yeah, I mean, it totally depends on the size of deal and industry. But yeah, I think on broad brushstrokes, you were, you know, you, you were seeing more capital from the private equity community being put to work as a percentage of the purchase price. Now, that could be more equity, or that could be the groups doing some of their own debt or a combination thereof. And likewise, there was a number of earnouts that were structured as a way to protect downside for these buyers, which, you know, look, I mean, everybody doesn't like an earnout, but I think in a time like that, particularly if you're being asked to pay a pretty steep price, you have to protect everybody's best interest, seller included. So yeah, I mean, structure changed, the lending market tightened up quite a bit. We all had to learn what the Paycheck Protection Program was, how it behaved, how it actually behaved, what the Main Street Loan Program is. Does that apply to private equity? Does that specifically not apply to private equity? So you're spending a lot of time trying to get smart on really all of these categories to best protect the families and the entrepreneurs that we both manage money for as well as are invested into. And now we're sitting in the first quarter of 2021 with what you know now, what you've seen. Has the level of deal flow gone back to pre-COVID numbers? Is it still down values for quality of companies? What are you seeing and what are you predicting for 2021 in your eyes? Yeah, yeah, there's a lot there, Scott. So overall volume is still down below pre-COVID levels. Now, interestingly, we finished 2020 down only 8%. So what does that mean, right? I think there's a little bit of smoke and mirrors from the perspective. We doubled down and we worked a lot harder, you know, to try and find more opportunities. So I was very thankful that we only closed at down 8% in terms of total deal volume. We actually had a record year last year and closed more investment opportunities than ever before, which I think was, was largely given good momentum coming out of 2019. But prices for good assets are at an all-time high. And I think that's nothing but good for the entrepreneurs listening in here. Uh, One, you've got a lot of options uh, because there's a lot of different capital sources and types of capital available to help you and serve you. And secondly, and I, I vividly remember, you know, a number of us were thinking, you know, is this was back in March of 2020, you know, is this the time when the pendulum may swing into the buyer's favor uh, because it has been so heavily out of our favor for the last 10 years or so? And the answer really, you know, as of today has been not really. I do think the values of good businesses, good to great businesses have done nothing but go up. And the valuations for I'll say bad businesses, which is hard for me to define, but bad to, you know, okay businesses have remained steady. You should look at that as how to diversify and limit risk as an investor and a buyer. And I think you're seeing that in the premium that these great or excellent businesses can derive. Yeah. And Kyle, that's what I've been telling some of these business owners that are potential sellers right now. Because they're like, geez, is it a good time to go to market? And obviously the answer is depends on, you know, the industry they're in and what they've done. But for those companies that have been unaffected or negative affected March, April, May, but then came back June, July, August to pre-COVID numbers, we're seeing those companies, again, the, the mentality is a lot of businesses had to come off the marketplace because of COVID that we're just, you know, we're, we're, we're negatively affected. But then there's those that were unaffected or even positively affected that said, boy, with COVID, with an election, with taxes, with all this unrest going on in the country, there's no way I could possibly sell my business now and get top dollar. And ironically, because of that statement that's gone through so many business owners' heads, 
it actually is a good time for some to sell their business, like as you said, to get top dollar because there's just so many more buyers than there are sellers out there. You know, we took a company to market at, at the beginning of September, 12 million sales, 4 million in EBITDA. I've been doing this for 23 years. We got a record 28 written indications of interest, 28 offers from high net worth individuals, private equity, family office, minority, majority recap, 100% sale, ESOP. Like you said, now is probably as good a time as ever to get buyers' attention and to really look at if it's a process that's run right, a lot of different options for the owner to really choose what's most important to them and picking the right successor to help them take their company to the next level or next stage. Wouldn't you agree with that? I totally agree with it. It's so simple to say, but don't forget how this industry works, right? What I mean by that is there's so many dollars. I mean, we can all research it and look it up. I mean, there's a lot of money chasing companies right now. So the supply and demand is so far weighted in the entrepreneur's favor. And the thought there is, is that those dollars that were chasing your company in 2019 they're still there right now, chasing your company and a lot of other companies. So as the deal flow dried up in the beginning and kind of midterm of last year, the same amount of dollars were chasing now fewer quality companies. So I struggle to say it's a great time to sell right now, but only because of the uncertainty in a lot of different corners of our world. You know, when you look at, is there anything glaring at us as investors straight in the face, right? Because again, we sell our fair share of investments as well. For the good, well-run companies that have positive financial momentum, it's a pretty darn good time to explore options right now. Because again, there's a lot of folks chasing now fewer opportunities. Hit the nail on the head. I mean, it totally depends upon what you want to do as an entrepreneur or as partners in terms of do you sell 100%? Do you sell a piece of it? Do you sell it to your management team? You know, because all of those deals have different structures and price points, if that makes sense. Right. Hey, I want to ask you one more question on this episode, then I'm going to bring you back for another episode talking about the difference between a 100% sale, majority, minority recap. But talked about value and value drivers. In every deal, there's a lot of different value drivers that you look at. But what, in your eyes, are the top two? If they were going to focus on two key areas to make their company more saleable or make it more valuable, what would those two key areas be that they should be working on before they take their company to market? Yeah, it's an easy question to answer. It's your team and it's your financial momentum. That's the number one, number two things that every buyer looks at immediately is who are the people running the business? Because that's ultimately who we're betting on. And fundamentally what we're doing is we're investing behind people, the current team in the business who's running it today. So think through that from a succession planning and delegation perspective as you prep to do your deal. And secondly, financial momentum. Revenue is one of the hardest things for an investor to fix. So having good financial momentum is a very close second to having the right team. Great. Thank you for that. A lot of great information there. This is Scott Bushke from Cornerstone and Kyle Madden from KLH. Kyle, I want to thank you for your time today and look forward to talking with you on another episode about some other areas of expertise that you have. Yeah. Thank you, Scott. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the M&A Cornercast. Hopefully we gave you some insight into the world of mergers and acquisitions. We'll see you back again with a brand new episode.